and be the only one, man. That's right. what that's how I want to go out. That's you know what? I want that on my tombstone, Calabunga. I'm deciding between Calabunga and I told you I was sick. Michelangelo here, you know, the master of the whirling pizzas. And you, my friend, are listening to Turtle Flakes, a bodacious bowl of Ninja Turtles goodness, brought to you by my radical dudes, Rob and John. Cowabunga! Cowabunga, dudes and dudettes, and welcome to another episode of Turtle Flakes. I am your co-host, Rob, and joining with me is Josh, but not the Josh that you guys know. This is another Josh, uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, Josh O'Rourke from Bargain Bin Radio Podcast. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing good, Rob. How about yourself? I am doing well, my friend. Awesome. Uh, Josh, it's good to talk to you, man. Josh is one of those guys... You know, I, I'm starting to think that a lot of people know a lot more about Ninja Turtles than I do. And Josh, is, <laughs> Josh O'Rourke is certainly one of them. But, uh, gosh, Josh, how, how do we meet? I, I know we met... I, did I approach you? I always forget... <laughs> Well, I think what it was, was um, I was looking for a podcast on iTunes about Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. and yours, your show was the first recommendation. Oh, wow, geez, that, that was luck. Yeah. <laughs> they just, they knew, they <laughs> knew right. bar, man. So I clicked on it, and I listened to it, and immediately thought it was just, it was an awesome show. It's the only one I still listen to, because I downloaded like three or four other Turtles shows. Oh. This is the only one that met my standards. Wow, well, wow, geez, well, thanks a lot, man. I, I didn't know, I don't know about that. <laughs> you have the Bargain Bin Radio seal of approval. I, I will take it, I will take it. Well, well, thank you so much, man. I, I First of all, like, I don't even know where we're at on iTunes. I mean, basically, if I didn't know the name of our show, I wouldn't even know how to find us. <laughs> Dude, that that is so awesome. And then, you know, that's, that's the beauty of podcasting in, in general, because podcasting just enables, you know, kind of gives us that opportunity to talk to other people. And then sometimes that even blossoms into a pretty close friendship. And uh, Josh, I consider a, a close friend of mine. And uh, and you've already mentioned Bargain Bin Radio. Bargain Bin Radio is one of my favorite shows. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the show, man. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Thank uh, you. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. I promise it is. I mean, uh, uh, it's a show basically about video games, about comic books, about toys. I mean, anything you could think of that is remotely uh, nerdy. Bargain Bin Radio is all about it, and it's great. And it's, uh, Josh has his own website. It's BargainBinRadio.com. But uh, would you like to kind of describe your show a little bit, man? Yeah. Um, first off, I'm not going to say that it's my website. My wife completely built that website from the ground up. Nicole, she's my co-host uh, in life and on the show. And that that website is completely her design. I would have put something together with popsicle sticks and made it work. I could have done what she did. Uh, but yeah, uh, but we came up with the idea. I, I just wanted to do something. I always wanted to do a podcast when I first started listening to them around the time uh, I was in college. And um, I always wanted to do something like that. And so I was just writing and putting out. I started out originally by putting out movie reviews on my Facebook page. 
and that that generated some speed. And then I started writing short stories and put them on my Facebook page. And um, then I started a blog, which I immediately forgot the password to, so nothing ever. <laughs> and then Nicole told me, "Well, why don't you why don't you put out a, a podcast?" I said, "Well, who's going to want to listen to me?" And my wife said, "Well, I will." I was like, "Okay, fine." We uh, and well, speaking of that, her and you are the only people that have written reviews on our podcast page on iTunes. So get out of here! Seriously, yeah. We, you two are the only ones I need, man. I mean, well, right? That's all you need. But um, <laughs> she she gave me the idea to uh, start podcasting, and she helped me figure out how to do it. And without her, I wouldn't have it, you know, because I just I still don't know how she edits everything together and puts it out there. It's really cool. And I just recently started putting video reviews up uh, this week, actually. I uh, did a video review on a Spider-Man comic book I was reading. Ooh, no, I'm not seeing that. Is, is that on uh, uh, the Facebook page or the website? It's on the Facebook page. It's on bargainbinradio.com. Where the we have our thumbprint. So. Well, very cool. So so was it always the... I'm curious, because I don't think I got to ask this. Um Josh was kind enough to have me on uh, uh, Bargain Bin Radio a couple episodes back, and that was so fun. So fun. We ended up talking for, what, like two hours? A little more than that, yeah. Yeah, about everything. Every, everything under the sun. It was, it was great. It was, I had so much fun. And I've been listening to your show for about a year, but I, was, I always wondered, you know, was that something that you uh, always planned for, for you and your wife to host the show? Um, when, we, when Nicole gave me the idea to do podcasting, yeah, she was the only one I thought that I would be comfortable with. Uh, doing anything with. See, I love know. that. That is so cool to me. <laughs> yeah, because obviously you're going to have chemistry with your host, right? I, I would hope. Yeah, you would hope. You know, if, yeah. if it's an awkward conversation there, you know, uh, then I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I've got to be somewhat interesting. I mean, she's not with me because of my looks, man. <laughs> I, I, I understand that. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, right. She's doing me a favor. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, see, that's that's the great thing, you know, for for uh, for listeners that might not have heard Bargainman Radio. The, one of the main reasons I like it, it's it's one of the funniest shows I've ever heard. Two, it's witty, and and three, I mean, just Josh and and Nicole, you know, they obviously since they're married, I mean, they know each other real well, obviously. So the chemistry's <laughs> there, uh, and they you two play off each other really well, and the content. I mean, I, the content's almost like. A bonus, you know. For for me, it's just an entertaining show. You guys could be talking about, I don't know, uh, taxes, and I I would still listen. I don't understand them. Yeah, it's just like, no. <laughs> I don't either. My wife, she tells me how to how it works. Numbers. What does it all mean? Yeah, exactly. It. I owe somebody, and I better pay them. <laughs> right. Exactly. So uh, so l- listen, man. Now I know you're a hardcore turtles fan, and that that was one of the things that kind of that brought uh, Josh and myself together. And uh, you know, he was immediately um, Josh Witt. By the way, he'll be on probably next week. But you know, in his absence, I, we wanted to definitely keep Turtle Flakes going. And and J- uh, Josh O'Rourke was the first person I thought. I was like, well, that man knows a lot about the turtles, and uh, he's got to be on the show. So I got to ask you, man. And I think we talked about this a little bit on your show, but I'd like to kind of get. Your perspective, because I think you asked me the same question. What got you into the turtles, and is there like something specific in your childhood that that just stands out to you regarding the Ninja Turtles? Yeah, it was specifically um, the '87 cartoon. I was up really early on a Saturday morning, and my mom was up with me, and we were flipping through the TV stations, and this cartoon of four little green men with ninja weapons was on. I was like, oh my god, what is this? And she opened up the TV guide and she said it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And just my brain broke. <laughs> 
and it never recovered. And so from that day on, and I couldn't even tell you what episode it was. I know it was within, like, the second season. So I got into the Turtles when it was starting to be more like the Three Stooges. Uh, yep. Ninja Turtles that we kind of remember it being. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was the cartoon. And then the toys. God, my father didn't talk to me for years because of those toys, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I understand. Well, well, so, you know, is there a specific episode that you remember? Like one, one of the first episodes that you remember seeing? Oh, yeah. Um, I remember, let's see here, the first episode of the first animated series in 87. I remember seeing it. Uh, I never saw it on TV. I got the, if I remember correctly, I think it was Burger King or Pizza Hut. They gave you the VHS tapes. My mom, I got a good report card at school in whatever grade I was, I think first or second grade. Mm -hmm. And my mom got me a VHS tape along with my uh, not happy meal. Uh, (laughs) And the Burger King Kids Meal, whatever they call them. She got me one of the VHS tapes, and it had the first and second episode on it. So it was the Turtles... Uh, meeting April, and then I want to say it was the Turtles fighting the Mausers in the second episode. I think that's what it was. Wow, so you had the uh, first two of the entire series. Yeah, yeah, it was those two specifically because it was, it was, I noticed that the animation was a lot darker. They they used their weapons, uh, competently used their <laughs> weapons, and they were smart Alex, man. They were hilarious. I loved it, and... I noticed a marked difference between that and what was on TV. So I thought I had like a special, you know, bootleg copy of the <laughs> Like, man, this was like the, this was supposed to be on like HBO or Showtime, or something, <laughs> not Fox or something like that, you know? Right, right. Well, you know, you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, that first season, uh, that first story arc uh, was definitely a lot darker than, I mean, it's still definitely for kids, but, oh, yeah. um, yeah. In comparison to season three and four, you know, where things definitely get hokey and you know the jo- the jokes get a little bit cheesier, this was definitely a, a big difference. Kind of like the kind of like the movies too. You know, you had the first film in 1990, which again was a lot more violent. Uh, I, I think there was even a couple cuss words in the first one, and then the second one, they're very rarely using their weapons. And uh, well, yeah. the, the the difference between the first and second movie was because of Jim Henson. Jim Henson did not like the violence in the first movie, so he was like, "If you want us to do the puppetry, you're going to tone down the violence." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that's that explained that, and it's information that's very easy to find out. But like everybody kind of wants to, not present company excluded, but conversations I've had with people who were like, you know, the first movie happened, and then no other movies happened. I was like, "Oh, all those other movies happened, and they were all good." Mm-hmm. Even the third one, the it's not called Turtles in Time, but that's what I call it, because <laughs> uh, that's what it is. But even that movie's good, even though the puppetry isn't quite on the same level as the first two movies. That third film was hilarious, and it was just them trying to emulate what was already successful. I got mixed emotions about the third one. I, I really, I really do. You know, I, but then again, I have mixed emotions about the second one. I, I think. I don't. I don't know. I, I guess nostalgia aside, I think what I loved about the first one. I mean, when I say nostalgia aside, the the first Turtles movie was the first movie I ever watched in theaters, like like ever that I could remember at least. And yes. I um, let's see. 
I, I remember there's a scene I, I cried in the movie. My mom actually took me out of the movie because I got so upset. I think it was the scene where April's apartment was burning down. I thought the turtles were still in there. Well, you see, I had a very similar reaction probably 20 minutes later when I, when uh, April's doing all the drawings and narrating about each character. Oh, yeah, yeah. Leonardo's in the bathroom watching over Raph, who's in the bathtub soaking up. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember I was, uh, that came out in 1990, I think I was seven. Mm-hmm. Uh when they showed Raphael laying down in the tub, mm-hmm. buddy in the theater, every adult in the theater uh, started laughing. What? And, yeah, seriously, they started laughing. And I said out loud, very loudly, I was like, that's not funny. Raphael's hurt. <laughs> laugh at Raphael. My mom had to tell me, it just looks funny to adults. Don't worry. I know he's hurt. He's okay. <laughs> Okay, you'll be fine, you know? It's like, how dare they mock my turtles? I know, dude, and Raphael's my guy. I hear you. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of which, to this day, I mean, if you could pick one turtle that is is your guy, is it Raph? Yeah, it it is, but I have very mixed emotions about why. Oh, interesting. Because everybody, you ask any turtle fan, their favorite's Donatello. Everybody's favorite is Donatello. Which, you know, you bring up a good point. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know why that is. I think everybody likes the smart guy. I mean, like that's why Batman's so popular because he can just think everybody. Donatello can outthink everyone. You know, let, let's kind of apply that to our real lives here. Yeah. Do Do you think women like really smart guys or like the the dark and mysterious ones? Well, being a smart guy worked out for me. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Well, Come I guess on. I'm more of a Michelangelo character. I don't even know. All joking aside, um, I like Raphael. Because he's the most like me in terms of my character. I, I mean, sometimes I do get angry. Sometimes I do just kind of ignore advice and just kind of steam steamroll my way through life, which is not a good way to do that. It's not a good way to live. Uh, fortunately for me, I totally married Donatello. Because Nicole is, and she always thinks I'm joking around, but Nicole is so much smarter than me. It's scary. Mm-hmm. Really? You know? Yeah. That's 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 like my wife. That's like my wife. She's the uh she's the normal one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it, it's interesting you bring that up. Uh when I was a kid, I I did like Donatello. He was my favorite. But now I think the turtle I relate to the most and I never thought I'd say this because he was my least favorite when I was a kid is Leonardo. And yeah. I don't know exactly why. I guess I struggle for me now we're we're gonna get deep here, I guess. Uh, okay. I guess for me, I always try to do the right thing, and it's yeah. a struggle, you know. And and it, it's a struggle, and especially uh, with with a child on the way, being a father, you, you know, you yeah. you want to be a good leader for your for your family and everything. And I don't know because I remember when Peter Laird started the fourth volume, he wanted to make the turtles older, you know, yeah. around their early thirties. Um, yeah. And I, I didn't know until you told me. Well, yeah, well, I, uh, <laughs> I didn't know that right away when I first read the run when they first came out in like the early two thousands. I was like, man, these turtles are different. They're they're so much more serious. But oh. then I read, I I was reading it as they were coming out back then, and then I put down the series for a while, and I came back to it just a couple years ago, and mm. I totally got what Peter Laird was doing. He was he was coming at it from an adult's perspective. And the things that they were going through in the stories, as, as strange and as ironic as it sounds, because they're mutated turtles, right? I could relate to them. I, I really could. Um, Leonardo was the one I related to the most because he struggled being a good leader. 
Um, he made a lot of mistakes, and people would call him out on his mistakes. And, you know, he had some insecurities because of that, even though he tried his best to put on a good front, to, to put on a good mask in front of his brothers, uh, to, to prove to them that he was a good leader. But he had some inner demons, you know? But that that's the beauty of it, right? I mean, you mm -hmm. know, when, when we were kids, we probably liked the Turtles for totally different reasons than we like them now, you know? It's so funny to watch other people listen to me explain why I love the Turtles <laughs> to this day. I mean, I have Leonardo tattooed on my arm, and people are like, why did really? you? Yeah. Oh, no way. Let me see that. Yeah. Oh, oh wait, wait, yeah. wait. Uh, did you post that on Facebook not long ago? Yeah, there was a picture of me and my daughter. My daughter was having a, a fit, and so I was hugging her. That's what it was. I saw that. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's from the last page of the first issue. Very cool, man. Very cool. You know, some some of the other questions I want to ask you, just kind of generally about the turtles. You know, is there a certain toy that you had as a kid that you might still have to this day, or that at least you can remember to this day that having that you really cherished? Oh man, because um, see, I I had to go through the painful process of the last few years of rebuying the toys I I used to have that I love because I collect turtle figures. And my rule was to just buy the four turtles. Any variation of them that struck me hmm. was to just get those. And I've got a bunch of the, uh, I've got all of the NECA figures. I've got. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. I've got, uh, like the Universal Studios Monsters Halloween, uh, Ninja Turtles where Donatello's a vampire and. Oh, Rocket. yeah. I had that one. Yeah. And I've got a bunch of those, and so it was a very painful process of realizing, oh my god, I need to work so much overtime now to pay for these. <laughs> um, but uh, I gave up my toys when I was a kid for uh, just because I thought I wasn't supposed to have them anymore, and I just gave them the kids in the apartment building that I lived in. Oh. Um, but I think probably the toy that I loved the most that just really always struck a chord with me was I had the 13-inch uh, giant Donatello. Oh, yeah, I remember those. 13 or 18, it was somewhere in there. It was tall. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I have one now still. I, I bought it uh, probably, or I bought it earlier this year, much earlier this year. And when it came to my house and I opened it up, my wife, uh, Nicole, got kind of teary-eyed. And I said, what's the matter I was like, did you see how much it cost? And she said, <laughs> but she said that was that was one that she had had when she was a kid, and she lost it when she moved. Oh, I remember and, her saying this on your show. Yeah. yeah. And so when she saw it, it just brought back that nostalgia, and we <laughs> both just we put it on my desk, and we both just sat there looking at it like it was a fireplace. You know. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. That is so cool. Yeah, we both just bonded over that, and it was great, and it was so cool to see that I brought those memories to her that she probably hadn't thought about in years. Right, and she, and she claims she's just a medium-core Turtles fan. She can't be a medium-core Turtles fan being married to you, man. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By uh, association, she is now the hardcore. Absolutely, yeah. yes, I agree. Yeah. Dude, that, that's awesome. I mean, you know, and it's amazing. Uh, I, I can kind of relate to, to what you're saying about, I, I don't know if I directly got rid of, I can't think of a time where I just said, all right, I'm done with all my Ninja Turtle toys. But somewhere along the way, gosh, 95% of them were lost. I have no idea what happened to them through all the moves. Um, there's only a few toys that I still have that I had in my childhood. And others I have just come by, you know, flea markets. I'll pick them up when I can, you know, loose or boxed. It really doesn't matter to me. Um, 
And and now that I I've, oh, I've got a baby on the way, you know, hey, it's like, hey, it gives me an excuse to buy more. Yeah, there you go. Grayson wants a new turtle van. Got to get it. And and it's the perfect time to do it now because she can't tell you that, no, Dad, I don't want to play with that. <laughs> I'm like, yes, well, you do. She's not telling me that I can't get it, right? That's, uh, that's, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and to be fair, when it just sounds – I sound like a shopaholic, but I, in my opinion, I do. But I, every time I buy something, I always ask my wife, can I get this? Yeah, I'm you know? the same way. I'm the same way. I'm like, honey, uh – is this turtle van I'm really wanting? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel I feel like I'm asking my mom. Now, you know, and that's no slight to her. It's just I feel like I gotta ask. You know, yeah. you know when there's a family involved, yeah. money might be tight. You gotta have to. You know, you want to make sure you clear with everybody before you make that uh, that plunge. You know. Exactly, and also I don't want her to like get mad at me. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, that there's that whole thing too. <laughs> well, yeah, really. Come on. Well, you know, there could be worse things, but still, I understand. <laughs> I mean, do I have to remind you, honey, that you put gas in the car again? Come on. <laughs> I hear you, man. I, I know. I know how you feel. And that, that was the one of the coolest things is um, last Saturday we had uh, our baby shower for Grayson and. Um, cool. There were, uh, you know, lots of Philadelphia Flyers gifts for him, and then there was also some Ninja Turtle toys that a lot of different people, people that I didn't even know, he yeah. stocked up. Dinosaurs and Ninja Turtles, uh, his nursery is going to be awesome. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, so, so that's, that's awesome. You know, I, I love that story with uh, you and Nicole seeing that uh, that toy. I mean, for me... Um, oh, quickly, I'm sorry. My apologies to anyone who may be listening from Canada. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jeez, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I should apologize every episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, well, listen, man. Uh, l real quickly, before we get into uh, today's green screen, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, your stories, your turtle stories, man. Oh, okay. For those of you who might not know, Josh has been writing an ongoing series. It's uh, fan fiction regarding the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and what I love about it, it's very character driven. And he's up to part five now. I'm sure you're probably working on part six now, but um, oh. I've read up to part five. By the way, part five was my favorite of all of them. I just oh. read it today. Dude, Thank you. awesome, awesome job you're doing. Thanks. First of all, what inspired you to do that? And, you know, secondly, like, wh where do you see this going? Um, well, what in, in terms of what inspired me to do it was just reading a lot of the old comics. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. um, I'm getting old. Yeah, <laughs> I know the feeling. Yeah, right. Uh, but no, I, I got a couple of the uh, color classics, uh, the big hardcovers called The Works. I've got the first two volumes of those. And I was reading those and thought, you know what, this is this is really cool. It's everything that I know about the Turtles, but there's all this new stuff in terms of themes and the art was really gritty. And I started thinking, and then watching the new movie, and I love the new movie, the First off, it's not a Michael Bay movie. Right. He was one of 11 producers. Let's just put that out there. <laughs> but uh, I, watching the new movie and seeing how those turtles in that movie are the same turtles from the 87 cartoon and even kind of the 2003 cartoon. Hmm. So I was thinking, man, I wonder what they would be like in real life. And I wonder what they would be like just a little bit older. And this is before I found out about the fourth volume, where they were in their early 30s. But I thought, you know, let, let me put them in their 20s. And they're like, I think, like, Michelangelo's the youngest one. He's 20. They all kind of agree that everyone's a little bit older than him, so everyone's anywhere between 20 and 22, somewhere in there. 
And so they're just a bit older and they're, they're, uh, really world weary from just horrible stuff happening to them and things that they've had to do. So I've kind of mixed, uh, I just kind of in my head, I, I'm not writing it down anywhere, but I just kind of picked my favorite parts from multiple turtles continuities and just made a five to six year history between the ages of 14 and 20 and just what happened. So it was like the first issue of the original Ninja Turtles was the first thing that happened to them. And then a year later, City at War happened. But then some characters like Bebop and Rocksteady from the cartoon, they're there. Just And Baxter Stockman is there. Maybe not the same way, but they're there. And April, who I was going to do the whole reporter thing, but I kind of thought, She's like that in almost every version, so why don't I make her somebody who kind of got burnt out on writing because anybody with a blog can do it? And so she went to nursing school because she she knew she wanted to do something. In, in her mind, she wanted to do something that she felt was important. And the thing of it is, is the way I write April is she is like the big sister to everybody. She is almost, she's like a motherly big sister so she she learned from the turtles to take care of people, and that's why she wanted to become a nurse. Hmm. And so that's her arc, basically. But uh, and basically, where I want it to go is I created, which I had no intention to originally. I had no intention to make a villain, so I, I created a new villain. Actually, a, a this sounds corny, but it's going to be like a team of new bad guys for the turtles to fight. Would this be the Dominators you're talking about? Yeah, the, the group called the Dominators. Oh, yeah. I thought so. I thought they were new. I was like, I don't, I don't remember them from the comics. And I was going to ask you if that was uh, an idea of your own. Yeah, it was because the Foot Clan's always there, and the Foot Clan is in this someplace. The Purple Dragons are around. You'll, you'll see them very soon. And I kind of I, I mentioned the fact that there were aliens at one time. Maybe it was Triceratons. Maybe it was the Krang. Maybe it was the Utrams. I don't know how far into that I'm going to go, but it's there. Um, I even pulled in because I, when I was a kid, I had the, the Sega Genesis uh, Turtles game called the Hyperstone Heist. Oh, I've got that one. Good game. The Hyperstone is there. I mention it in Chapter 2. Uh, Mona Lisa, that character who's there, looks at it and is kind of entranced by it a little bit. And it doesn't shrink down Manhattan Island or anything, but I <laughs> used it because the Turtles had a portal into a, they had a portal generator in Donatello's lab I was like well that's that doesn't really work so what would I do so I was like the hyperstone is a way to look into other dimensions and even cross over into them which will eventually feature my favorite turtles character I'm intrigued I man I could spoil it for you right now if you want but I don't know <laughs> if, if, if you're all about the spoiling man well one thing that'll sell you on uh, what Josh is doing here is one there's a lot of little, like, subtle nods to things, kind of like what you already mentioned, the Hyperstone, uh, Bebop and Rocksteady, um, just, just all sorts of things from different iterations of the Turtles. Like, just in, in the latest issue, Casey Jones, I think this was something that, that you did on your own here, Casey Jones ends up helping Kino. But right. here you found a way to tie those two major, you know, characters in that's never been done before. Another thing I like is that the story is very um, character driven. I, I'm all about the characters. That's one of the things for me that always meant a lot to me. Volume 4 was very character driven and yeah. I, Volume 4 ended up being my favorite one and I like that you put these new spins on older characters. I like the fact that April's not a reporter. She's not a scientist. 
Uh, and another thing that I'm going to spoil about the, the newest one. Now, i got to ask you this. Casey Jones, he was trained by the boxer. Was it 1-2? Jimmy 1-2. Jimmy 1-2. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that one of uh, Josh O'Rourke's characters? Yeah, that's that's just what's a cool boxer name. It was like Jimmy 1-2. You know, I like all it. it take to get a guy to go down on the ground. I love it. Because, again, I Googled it. I was like, man, has he ever been trained by a boxer before? This is cool. I Googled it. And I couldn't find it anywhere. I was like, oh, I think this is a Josh idea. Yeah, the reason why he was a boxer was uh, the actor who played Casey Jones in the first movie, Elias Co uh, Coates, trained to be he, – he trained in boxing for that movie. Really? So I remember reading about that um, not too long ago when I was looking up character information so I could learn how to integrate him into the story. And I learned that he trained uh, boxing for like two or three months. He trained boxing and collegiate wrestling for uh, that movie. Huh, it's a talent. You can tell by how many punches he doesn't swing in the movie. But well, well, yeah, you, you know, you, you bring up Elias uh, Coates. The mm -hmm. funny thing about that is I hear his voice every yeah. line he says in, in your story. Like he's the one I hear. I, I can totally picture that. So again, that's a big testament to you because you really you've you've done these characters well. You've done your homework on these characters, and I mean it. It literally feels like I'm I'm reading a uh, I don't know a novelization of the comic books. Oh man, thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. That that, that gives me a lot of credit to, or credit, but that gives me a lot of credence to do more. But it also scares me so much. It's <laughs> like, oh god. The next chapter is going to suck. Oh, get out of here. You keep saying that. And they get better, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, because my my writing process or whatever you want to call it, but how I write is I just write all the dialogue first. I spend, I try to put out a chapter every two weeks. And so for two weeks, for 13 days, all I'm doing is just writing pages and pages of dialogue. And then on that 14th day, I just sit down in front of the computer for two, three, four hours and just fill in the blanks in between and take things out, rewrite things, put things, put new things in, spend an hour editing, and then I publish it. And then sometimes I'll read it the next day and think, oh no, this doesn't work. On chapter three and chapter four, I had to take it down off the website, edit it, and then put it back up just because I didn't like how it flowed. Uh, yeah, And it was just purely just like I literally took one page and put it on top of another page other page and then just reworked a couple of sentences and it's like okay well that works but I, I wanted just the intention of the story was just to uh, show how how people grow up basically because the the turtles themselves I kind of feel like the turtles haven't been in a lot of it because just lately I've been focusing on a lot of the side characters because everyone knows who the turtles is who the are everyone knows them so there's no real reason to tell you a lot about the turtles. Just how have they changed? Where Donatello is kind of burnt out on fighting crime because he looks at it 100% logically. It's like, well, we're not actually helping anybody because there's just as much crime now as there was when we first started or before we started. So what's the point? And Michelangelo being somehow the older brother who was the youngest brother just kind of motivates him and tells me, you know, well, because it's what we do. That's the one thing with Michelangelo I, I came up with, and it's been in the comics, but not like I thought of this, but I thought that he always plays, not a fool, but he always cracks jokes and gets people laughing because he wants to make sure everyone is mentally healthy. He carries the stress of 
everybody on the team. See, and that's that's one thing I always loved about uh, Michelangelo, and and they hint around to that in the fourth volume as well. As as uh, I think you you do a great job of kind of really hitting the nail on the head that Michelangelo, yes, he he's funny, but there's a reason he's funny. That's almost his way of kind of calming. You know his brothers down, calming the whole situation down, where people can think rationally again, and uh, that that's one of the things about him that I think a lot of people don't notice that how how deep of a character he can be. And I, I love that. I love that about him. He's not just a comic relief. If anything, he's he's probably the most level-headed one. Yeah, he is. And you'll definitely see more of Michelangelo coming up because he's he's very important too me because when I was a kid he was my favorite one. He's the one I really want to put out there because he's just cool and there's going to be a lot of other side characters coming in because this thing is this thing. This story is supposed to be very mutant centric because I'm really focusing on the mutation aspect of the storyline. This is the, very much the beginning of the story where you're learning about the humanity that every single one of these characters has and when I'm going to hopefully slowly hopefully I don't jump the gun uh, what I'm going to get into is the mutation aspect of everybody. What is it about mutagen that does anything to anyone? And it was the specifics about what type of person. You have to have a specific person to be mutated successfully. Like, they have to have the universal uh, recipient for blood types. They have, which I think is AB, if I remember correctly. It, you need to have that blood type for the mutagen to bond another foreign blood type seemingly an animal to bond that to your DNA or else you'll get these what I'm what I kind of call uh, half the half mutants they're just people that are given mutagen and nothing to mutate into they become very I haven't described them a lot because I, I wrote this really gross description of what one looked like and it sounded like the fly <laughs> like no that this isn't the turtles aren't a horror story you can do that but I don't want to do that but it is just kind of they just kind of look like you remember Nickelodeon Gak? Oh that's yes. Like yeah. <laughs> that... <laughs> See that that that's great. It's different. It's it's not just a continuation of you know everything we know. It there's a lot of different crossovers. There's a lot of new content. That there's a lot of things here that uh, definitely keep hold the reader's interest. And it's a very well well written story. So I've read every single part so far, and I think they just keep getting better and better. And and I love the fact that certain characters go missing after a little while. It makes you appreciate them more when they come back. If, listeners, you gotta you gotta check out all his stories. They're on bargainbinradio.com. Yeah, it's called uh, Ninja Turtles: A Day in the Life. A Day in the Life. Yeah, so check that out. Which is gross at, uh, mis at misrepresentation because eventually it's gonna go longer than that one day. <laughs> I was gonna say it's gonna be a long day. It, well, there is. It, I'm hoping. I'm kind of hoping to just kind of nail it down to ten parts, um, and then I'm going to go. You know well, what happens next? Because I thought of a lot of things. Like, originally, the Dominators weren't even there. They really? Just, yeah, there was going to be no villain. I just wanted to see what these people, what these characters did for 24 hours. And that's why it was called Day in the Life. And then around the third chapter, I started thinking, yeah, but I want to see him fight somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Who are they going to fight? And then I started thinking, well, I've always wanted to see Leonardo and Raphael fight. And just what would really happen if those two went toe-to-toe? -to -toe? Oh, and yeah. And the quick answer is, nobody likes this when I say it, but the quick answer is, is Leonardo wins. And why, why do you say that? Leonardo wins because Raphael's going to get too angry, and he's not going to focus on what he's doing. And Ra and uh, or Raphael's going to get too angry, 
and not focus on what he's doing. And Leonardo is going to notice that, and then he's going to fight. Because he's just going to tag him, just going to irritate him, just going to smart off to him. and Maybe not smart off to him, but he's just going to irritate him enough to get Raphael really angry, mm-hmm. and then he's going to just pounce on him. Oh, cool. And cool. that was why the that one fight, this isn't a spoiler or anything, but when Leonardo and Raphael fight, Leonardo doesn't say anything. He just he just tags him, moves him out of the way, wrestles him a little bit, and he doesn't get hit by Raphael at all. And then Raphael loses loses his cool, and then Leonardo definitely puts a hurting on him. Yeah, and you know, even though Raph might be, the, I guess, the more gifted or more skillful fighter, I mean, I know that's up to debate, but even if he was, the fact that he's not thinking clearly would be his demise in a way in a fight. So, and I wanted to I wanted to focus on that. Because in the very beginning, or the second chapter, all the turtles and Mona Lisa and Splinter, and Mona Lisa is going to be a, a larger character continuing, and uh, she's in a relationship with Raphael, which I always thought was cool. I found out that that was like a huge fan thing, so I thought, well, for the fans, I'll put that in. Uh, yeah, I love that. That was great. Yeah. And then I c- uh, created a backstory for her, which I'm going to go into. And that's going to bleed into new characters that I created that are going to show up later. Yeah, there's some new characters that I had for a secondary story that I've been writing for years that I just, I've never been able to finish. So I thought, well, I'm just going to throw them in here because they work great. But, that's, um, that's the way to do it. Uh, with Raphael, if you notice when Raphael loses to Leonardo, he's got his wrist dislocated. He's got a messed up knee. He's got his shoulder popped out. And it's because Leonardo just dislocated a bunch of his joints and didn't hit him but just kind of just incapacitated him and in the beginning of the second chapter when they're all working out you'll if you reread it leonardo is teaching Raphael how to do those moves because even though Raphael is a ninja he's an incredibly skilled martial artist at the end of the day he's a puncher he's yeah, just brawler. a brawler yeah and so leonardo is teaching him how to effectively take someone out with in my mind, he's teaching somebody how to beat someone up without bruising them. It's kind of a horrifying way to think of something, but it's just <laughs> the way I had to think of, you know, a fight to go down. So, uh, Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, listeners, you won't be disappointed if you check out his stories. They're definitely uh, something – they bring a, very, a lot of interesting things to the table. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a love letter to a lot of Ninja Turtle fans. I didn't find a whole lot of news this week. I've only got two things, so I'll just go ahead and get mine out of the way. The only thing I found this week, and actually it's a continuation of what we, uh, I was discussing on the last episode, is the, the Half Shell Heroes, A Blast of the Past. I think it's like an online special that they're showing right now. It's definitely made for kids, but it's an episode that it's sponsored by Nickelodeon. It's on uh, nick.com. Now, it'll eventually air you know, on TV Sunday, November 22nd at 11 a.m., But here's just a quick summary if you want to go ahead and uh, check it out, and I'll provide a link in the show notes. It says, The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles find themselves on an adventure of a lifetime when they accidentally time travel back to the Jurassic era. During the 2D animated one-hour special, the turtles encounter friendly dinosaurs from the past and dangerous aliens from the future who have nefarious plan of their own. Using their ninja skills and having some fun along the way, the four brothers must find a way to save the day and get back home. So... Listeners, if you want to check that out, I'll leave a link in the show notes for you. Let's see. I've seen some of those Half Shell Hero uh, figures at Target because the, those are like they're made by Play School. They're really cute looking. They're really cool. Hey, more toys for Grayson, man. 
Yeah, yeah, for the baby. For yeah, the gotta kids, make it yeah. rain. Let's see. And then uh, the only other thing that I had, uh, it's been a slow week for me, is uh, TMNT Animated, or I'm sorry, not Animated. Animated's been closed. I think it's TMNT Amazing Adventures issue number four is out uh, as of uh, November 11th. Is that based on the cartoon? Uh, you know, I, I don't think this one is so much. Uh, I know this the style it reminds you of the cartoon a little bit, uh, especially the way the turtles look. But I think it's own independent stories. They're not like um, direct, I guess, interpretations of the cartoons. So it's like the Archie comics from back in the nineties. Exactly, exactly. Like the, I, rem- I remember the Archie series followed the the cartoon for a certain time, um, and then even though it kept the same art style, it started uh, they started writing their own stories for it. Yeah, they they followed the cartoon for four issues. Yeah, right. And then uh, you know they kind of expanded, and that was a long run, I remember, and a pretty good one too. It was 75 issues. Yeah. 75 issues. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so this one here, uh, issue four, uh, was written by Matthew Manning. Uh, the art was done by Chad Thomas, and the colors by Heather Breckel, and the letters by Sean Lee. And a quick uh, summary here. It says, it's up to Slash to rescue the rest of the mutanimals. Will he be able to put the turtles' training to good use and save the day? Part two of a special story that documents the mutanimals' first adventure together. So this is out as of... Thursday, so uh, be sure to check that out. It is on um, you know IDW.com. It's uh, on Comicsology, and of course you can get it in your local comic book stores. And I love Slash. Slash is awesome. Slash is awesome. Uh, you know, it's interesting that Nickelodeon and the you know IDW franchise have kind of portrayed him more as a good guy. Yeah, I, I well in the uh, the Archie comics back in the day, he was a good guy. I mean, Leatherhead yeah. was, a good guy, you know, and. I guess Leatherhead always was originally a good guy. He was in uh, in Tales of the TMNT. He was a good guy. It was just a misunderstanding why the Turtles ever fought him. And, yeah, it wasn't until the 87 cartoon when he finally showed up that he was a bad guy. Right, so. right. And I, and I think we, we get the, the wrong impression sometimes, you know, especially since we were kids during that time and we played the video games. You know, you, you played against Slash. He's a bad guy. You know, you play against Leatherhead. He's a bad guy. The, the boss of the levels. But... In, in most of the incarnations, they're actually good guys. Yeah, I just always kind of thought they were just out there doing their own thing. Right, right. Turtles here doing, man. Get away from me, yeah. you know? <laughs> kind of yeah. like the Rat King, you know? Yeah, God, I love the Rat King. I, I'm i going to work him in. Oh, that'll be good. It's only going to happen one time, and I think I I came up with an idea for Rat King that, I, I, that at least I like. I, I love Rat King as, as a character. I don't care if he's a villain or a good guy or an anti-hero or whatever. I just love Rackin. Yeah, That is a Jim Lawson creation right there, and I, 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 he's one of my all-time favorites. The thing I love about the Rat King is, like, he is so interesting and so unique. He could have his own comic book series that doesn't even, doesn't even involve the Turtles, in my opinion. And he actually based the Rat King on, oh, gosh, uh, what was his oh, name? The Leatherman. The Leatherman, yes. There was a, I, once I heard him say that on your show— uh, there, I found a documentary on him on YouTube. Yeah, it was it was originally broadcasted on PBS, like 1985 or something like that. And it's it's really it's really interesting. That was a really interesting man. Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to check that out now. Good, you'll like it. Yeah. Sweet. I have one bit of news. I don't know how 100% it is because I found it on Wikipedia, and then found it on IMDb, both uh, sites where just people can just put stuff on there. I found it in two places. One of them does happen to be known for movies, though. And it's uh, that an actor named Kevin Durand, who you might know from movies like uh, Smoke and Aces or 
Resident Evil Retribution. He played Barry Burton in that movie. Um, he has signed on to play Hun in Ninja Turtles 3. And if you, when you look up Kevin Durant, he's a huge guy. Yeah, he must work out. Yeah, he's like 6'4 or 6'5 and probably the same weight as my car. You know, he's, <laughs> he's a big dude. dude. Yeah, and he could totally play Han, too. You know, I, and I would be okay with that. And yeah, I, as long I, as they don't make Casey's father. So really, you don't like that? I I liked it when it was first revealed, and then when, as the story... I have problems. I have a love-hate relationship with the, with the IDW series, because the Casey and Han relationship is the perfect example, because it was a great idea that all they did was just talk about it and didn't show anything. You know, it was like they spent like four issues pumping up a fight between Casey Jones and Hun. Oh, and yeah. Finally happened. Hun got punched once and it was done. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know that that's true. That's true. There definitely was a build up there. But, you know, the one thing I really do like about it is the fact that they're, they're kind of both on either side of the spectrum or opposite sides of the spectrum. You got, you got Hun, at least in the IDW series. Without the alcohol, you could almost reason with them. You know, yeah. like there was, there was a every now and then there was like a slight, subtle hint that you know what he might not be a horrible person. He was a guy that lost his wife, and he lost his wife for that. Yeah, right, exactly. So you almost feel you kind of a a twinge of sympathy for the guy, but then you know when he drinks alcohol, you know it, he just. I guess he just lets the, all the anger consume him to the point where he can't be reasoned with. That's where Casey cannot reason with him, and that's what Casey hates. But I love that the fact that Casey made a promise to his mom, no matter what, he always had to keep an eye on his father, even if it was from a distance, you know? Yeah, and also, I mean, you can see where Casey Jones could possibly grow up to be like Han, because I don't know if, I don't know if you read it, but the most recent example I can remember was I reread the first issue of the April and Casey Storyline. Oh, see, I'm not. I've not gotten to read those yet. I I like the first issue. I read the first issue, and I'm just gonna wait for the trade to come out. Just collect the graphic novels. But there is a scene in a diner where, because April and Casey, for uh, reasons I won't go into right now, because it takes too long, um, they're on a cross country journey while the turtles are doing their final fight with Shredder. Um, so ultimately, it doesn't mean anything. Um, they stop at this diner for food and there's these two guys that are just giving Casey a bunch of guff because he's from, they're in the South and he, they're giving Casey a bunch of guff because he's from the city. And instead of just let it roll off his shoulder and walk away, Casey grabs those two, two guys and throws them out the door and they have this big fight in the parking lot and Casey wins the fight and April is fuming mad. <laughs> And she's like, why didn't you just, they were idiots. Why did you have to fight him? And he's like, hey, they were making fun of you and me. She's like, I think she says something like, no, you were mad because they were making fun of you. That's <laughs> it. And it was like, yeah, you could totally see where Casey could just. The hothead, yeah. Yeah, and again, I know we're done talking about it, but that's why I did certain things with Casey to kind of just diffuse that. He doesn't need to be the angry guy anymore. Right. Good point. Good point. And, that's 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 what I loved about Casey in those in those comics, and but then I just I just not that I write comics for a living. That guy, the guy that wrote it, I can't remember his name, but he uh, he's a great writer. Really writes those characters amazingly well. You talking about the Casey and April series? 
Well, yeah, that and just the regular IDW series. Oh, um, oh gosh, uh, Tom Waltz. Tom Waltz, yeah, both of them great writers, and I could never do what they do because they can adhere to a schedule, and I can't. So, <laughs> but yeah, it just it just lost something in the end, and that was because they were going to keep going after. See, I thought issue fifty of the IDW series. I thought they were going to end the series. I thought it was done. I'll tell you, it certainly makes you think that way, especially toward the end. You know, yeah. with uh, a kind of a definitive or a seemingly definitive yeah. end of one of the major villains. And and I didn't I didn't like what they did with Donatello. You know, I uh, when I first read that issue after the uh, the apparent death of Donatello, I didn't understand what was going on. I was like, yeah. so they somehow found a way to transport Donatello's soul into a robot, and like, but I, I like it because that's never been done before. But yeah, you know, how do you fix that? You know, how how do how do we get Donatello back? And eventually, they they found a way to do it. I I called spoilers right before you said something. Oh, you so. did? Oh, okay, good, good. I did twice. Okay, but good. Yeah, it's in there. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the idea. Spoilers again. I like the idea that one of the turtles died. Me too. But. And I like that it was Donatello, everyone's favorite. Everyone loves Donatello. But I wish it meant something, because in the next issue, on the third page, Fugitoid is like, wait, I've got it! And he he puts Donatello's consciousness in the metalhead. And then they use the mutagen to repair his body, and... And they actually, in issue 50, they teased Leatherhead again, and he was the one that gave him, like, the secret code to fixing him, and then Donatello comes back. And with a new bow staff, and they beat uh, Rocksteady and Bebop, and it's great, fun times, but I kind of would have liked it if it was just the three, Leonardo, Raphael, and Michelangelo, and then Metalhead. Well, you know, that's, that's interesting you say that, because that's exactly what Josh and I thought. You know, like... I, I would have preferred the same thing that you said. Like, I, I think, not not forever, but for a long period of time, have Donatello out of the picture. And I was thinking maybe he's in a coma. And every now and then we get a teaser of Donatello. Like, and I think the issue after that, we might have gotten a little bit of a teaser with, you know, him in kind of almost this, this dream state. And he's, you know, walking around. He's his own character. He's his own, I guess, spirit in this dream state as he's yeah. in this coma, going through his own kind of... I don't know, spiritual adventure, I guess you could say. Yeah, he's in the hedge maze. Right, with, right. Yeah. You know, kind of prolong that and oh, yeah. let the turtles kind of deal with the grief of missing one of their brothers and having to forge on without one of them for a long time. You know, kind of get away from them. You know, make us miss that character even more. But um, It's been a great, like, spinoff series with Donatello in Purgatory. Yeah, yeah. that would have been great. It, you know, kind of like uh, he's obviously the best guy in the world, but he the violence of his life has kind of made him wonder, like, well, are you going to go to paradise? Are you going to go someplace else? Because ultimately you are a violent person. How do you <laughs> deal with that? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, all, all in all, I love what IDW's done. But, yeah, I mean, the, those are definitely some cool possibilities that uh, could definitely have uh, happened. Now, I've not read issue 51 yet, although I did buy it. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I did buy it, so uh, that's definitely on the the menu for the week. But but yeah, I definitely I don't know. It's it's a good time to be a turtles fan. I know we discussed this on uh, your show as well. You know, it's just oh. it's just exciting. Now I feel horrible because the Nickelodeon franchise I've not followed any of it. 
I mean, I, I mean, not lately. I've not seen many uh, episodes of oh, the season cartoon. three. Yes, yes, and I've not seen any episodes of season four yet. And I, they're all on my DVR. I need to really kind of break down and just just watch them all in one uh, marathon. Yeah, see, I've got them all on DVD. Re- really, is season three out yet? Yeah, or season three, part one, or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, okay, I gotta get it. Nickelodeon just staggers the release and cuts every. It's a great idea, but God, does it make me mad. <laughs> I know, because it's, it's going to get me. I'm going to buy the, the parts, and then in about a year, it'll have the entire season in one disc or something. Yeah, see, I'm not doing that, I, because they have the first and second season in a big box set on Amazon, and I'm like, nope, you spend <laughs> money on the single DVDs. I don't mind getting up and walking six steps and changing a CD. <laughs> but see, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the Nickelodeon show. Really? Yeah, and and I first off, much respect for people creating a new TMNT cartoon and making it, I think, making it more popular than ever. And just the quality is even better than any animated series to come before it. It is immaculately made. Mm-hmm. And whoever choreographs the fight scenes, oh. what they're doing, and loves anime, you know? Which... which that's great. I love the fights too, but I just don't care for some of the characters. And like Michelangelo, I get that he is a teenager, and he is probably the most accurate depiction of a teenager on screen ever, far not. <laughs> but he is just oh, maybe it's because I'm a dad, but he is just kind of annoying me when I get off work. You know? <laughs> Just like man, and then Raphael just can't, just stop being so angry and listen every once in a while. Maybe Leonardo is trying to help you, you know. <laughs> but I just and I don't like the whole Karai Leonardo relationship. I I think that I think that one feels forced. I like Donatello totally crushing on April. I like that. Yep. I love that idea of him having a crush on April, and she kind of. Maybe does a little bit too. She she definitely put, throws some hints out there. Yeah, definitely. And then Casey kind of screws it up for her, but she likes Casey too a little bit. But uh, I think the Leonardo and Karai relationship aspect, the uh, I think that's a little forced. Well, let let me ask you this: What what do you think of Splinter, the Splinter and Karai relationship? Oh, that he's uh, her father. Yes, I I think that's great. I, I think love that, that. Yeah, because. Um, Splinter is a character that has so much taken away from him. I mean, he, this guy had his humanity taken away mm-hmm. from him. Why he did not become the most despicable person is says so much about his character. Yeah, it's so cool to see him get a little bit more out of his life. You know, he has his sons. He's training April. He has all these friends around him that he loves and cares about. And just the fact that now he's got a daughter and that he is totally not freaked out about it. <laughs> from saying that, oh, man, you're Shredder's daughter and now you're my daughter, like actually my daughter. <laughs> okay, let's see how I can reform a megalomaniac. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I like that. I think that's really cool. I don't like the design of Casey Jones at all. I'm with you there. I mean, I uh, I love the Nickelodeon franchise. I love what they did with, um, especially, I mean, I still get goosebumps. I think it was the season finale of season one 
where it's the reveal that Karai is Splinter's daughter, and he um, this is all revealed right after a pretty amazing fight that Splinter has with Shredder. I mean, yeah. and there's been a great buildup for it too. I mean, you know, and the payoff, the fight scene was great, yeah. and then and then you have that, and Karai's been trained to kill the turtles, you know. Yep. And and here Splinter he knows so he, you got some dramatic irony here because Splinter knows, wait a minute that that that's my daughter I can't harm her I can't lay a finger on her where Cry doesn't know at that point you know that that Splinter is her father yeah yeah and I love that dynamic you got all this kind of internal these internal conflicts going on um, I don't know it, to me it was the perfect storm right there for for. Um, that season finale, and really, that sold me on the the whole show. But there are a couple of gripes, and definitely Casey Jones was was one for me, just because I don't like his look. I I don't like it, and I I don't really like that he's so much younger, yeah. you know, than, than the other iterations. I get it because it's something different, but I just I have to do that for the whole April thing. It makes sense. I get it. The only thing that I don't like about Casey Jones, it to, it's one little thing, and I know I sound stupid, but. It's it just makes it ruins the whole thing about his appearance. His two front teeth are missing, <laughs> and I get it. He's a hockey player. He wants to play without a mouth guard because that's extreme. But <laughs> extreme. It just makes him look like a dork. And <laughs> Casey's not, and Casey's not a threat in this show. He's not competent. He's not a fighter. No. He's he's kind of a, he's just a dork. Yeah, it's not a Casey Jones we're used to. Because if, if you think of all the different versions of Casey Jones, every single one of them, you know, you, you had the hothead, you know, crazy Casey Jones from the comics. You know, the, I mean, the the first uh, series. Rock, exactly. Rock. You know, like the first debut, you know, he was almost a, a spoof character of, you know, all the uh, cop dramas. You yeah. know, he's a vigilante. He was nuts. He was you know, Dirty Harry. Yeah. He was. And, you, and literally, he's like lifting weights watching all these cop dramas. I mean, he was a musclehead. Uh, I, uh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> right, don't, right. Not, I'm not even lying. <laughs> Bench press to some diehard every now and then. Oh, so. you got to do what you got to do. I mean, I hear you. But, <laughs> you know, and, and then you have, you know, the um, film version of Casey Jones, and he was kind of more of a funnier version, but he was still tough. You know, he could still yeah. kick some foot tail if he needed to. Oh, yeah, even the cartoon Casey Jones. You know, again, kind of a comedic character, yeah. but also very tough. Like his first fight, he wanted to fight Crane because that was the boss. That was the boss. That's what you did, man. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so this is the first version of Casey Jones in the Nickelodeon series where he's just not quite any of those. And you you give him props for trying something different, but for me, it's, yeah. I just don't prefer this version of all the versions out there. And I sound like such a hypocrite because I'm I'm very adamant of being different. Try something different. Make it change a little bit. But they just made Casey into what Casey kind of never was. You know, they, 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 you can change Casey all you want, but there are certain aspects of every character that they hit every single character with perfectly. Like Michelangelo has never been funnier. Leonardo is responsible. Uh-huh. Great leader. But with Casey Jones, Casey Jones was, yeah, he's kind of a big meathead, but he was never, I never thought of him as an idiot. No, me neither. And he just seems like a giant dork in this cartoon. <laughs> you know? He really does. And and but I, I mean I like the character. He what gives me a lot of faith in him is he's funny. He is funny. It is funny watching him do things like April gets taken away by somebody 
and April and Irma go, get, both get taken away by some Foot Clan member, and he goes, April! Oh, wait, and Irma, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But I, I'll tell you what really hooked me on the Nickelodeon cartoon was when they went to Northampton. Oh, yeah, yeah, have, from the comics. I have, I have loved every iteration of the Turtles when they went to Northampton. Just something about going to that, to that farm town just got me. It was mm-hmm. like, like my favorite Ninja Turtle comic, other than the first appearance of Rat King, is I think it's the 14th issue of the Turtles where it was called The Unmentionables, where it was Casey Jones and the Ninja Turtles were like... Were they all in trench coats? Yeah, they were in trench coats. Oh, good, is- good issue. They were in the 30s and they are fighting bootleggers and everything. It was great. I would love to see a movie based on that issue, <laughs> episode based on that. But something about that happened in Northampton. Something about them going to Northampton just always struck a chord in me, because they had to change. They had to grow stronger, and I liked it. And I really loved what they did. And the return to New York storyline was great. Oh, great, great. I I just recently saw the uh, season finale of I think season three where they end up, spoilers again, where Shredder, have you seen that one? No, no, like I said, I've not seen a whole lot of three. I won't do, I won't tell you, but it, it's good, it's really good. And so many characters are in there, like, you know, Muckman and Mondo Gecko. Mondo Gecko is a personal favorite of mine. I love Mondo Gecko, I just love his design. <laughs> yeah. I always have. Like, my favorite two characters that I hope end up in there in that show will be Ace Duck and Usagi Yojimbo. Yes. Yes to both. I love those two characters purely because they're just ridiculous characters, but they're so cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, I love how obscure Ace Duck was anyway, because was he actually like, I know he was the uh, TV show that the Turtles, you know, he was the hero from the TV show that the Turtles watched, and, you know, they idolized him, but was he ever actually in any of the original cartoon episodes? He was in one episode where, see, the origin story in the cartoon, Mm -hmm. if I'm remembering correctly, differed from the origin story on the back of the box that the toy came in, Um, because I I still have that one. Here, hold on one second. Just to prove this to you here. So, you know, still have it right here. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, There's his portrait right up there. (laughs) And he was... I, I. I always like. I always had a fancy for military characters. He was a an Air Force pilot who was dated by Shredder accidentally, and well, in the cartoon, he's an action movie star, and right. Mike, he shows up. His one cameo in the cartoon is Leonardo wants to go up and do something on the surface, and Michelangelo's like, "Well, we're watching the Ace Duck movie marathon," and you can see Ace Duck like. <laughs> flying plane and shooting machine guns on the TV screen, uh-huh. and that was enough of a basis for a character to create a toy about. Yeah, that's it. That yeah. So they never actually met him, though, right? No. Okay, no. that's what I thought because I remember them seeing the Ace Duck on TV, yeah, but I don't yeah, remember yeah. them actually talking. And I was like, man, they made a toy out of that one scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now I want to know more. I want an Ace Duck miniseries. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, um, he's going to show up. I can I can tell you a couple characters if you want. Yeah, oh please, there's, there's going to be a couple. I'm going to work in Usagi Jimbo. 
Awesome. Gonna work. That's I've got to do that. That's me. I've got to. Um, <laughs> I know Gecko, Ace Duck. This is you're gonna give me you're gonna give me some stuff about this, but I think it'll work because I've already I've introduced Metalhead, so I he's gonna show up some more too. But uh, uh, Venus de Milo. I'm gonna introduce Venus de Milo. Now. <laughs> nothing against Venus Tomorrow. I really don't. I really don't. You know, Josh, he always gives me a hard time, you know, but honestly, I don't have anything against her. She was not my problem with um, the next mutation. Now, I know you you kind of respect the next mutation. Well, uh, I've, I've got a lot of respect for it because if nothing else, they tried. <laughs> you know, they, they put some obvious effort into it. When there was no money there, you know they sure, sure. had half the budget of the Power Rangers. Are you serious? What do you <laughs> to put on camera? Come on, give them a break. Uh, you're you're right. You're right. It's for me. It's the storytelling. I just it was so wacky, so completely. She's the only thing I'm pulling from that. I'm not pulling anything else. <laughs> just that. That's it. Okay, yeah. so no Dragon Lord or anything like that. Oh, that, was, that was come on, no. <laughs> okay, well then we're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, no, no Lord Drag. Like the only like actual old school villain. Well, there's gonna. I'm sorry. There's gonna be at least one. There's gonna be two old school villains outside of Shredder that I'm talking about. And Shredder's never gonna be in my story. He's never gonna be in because, in my opinion, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird killed him in the first issue they say he's dead he's dead so yeah yeah good point they i will work in something very interesting happened with karai a, a very interesting not because i came up with it but just what i thought was interesting about why i see i needed a natural reason to have these characters in there um there's a lot of mutant executions happening from the dominators and I feel kind of lame because they haven't shown up yet and no one's ever seen them, but there's all these dead mutants popping up. And it was like, I was going to put in the mutanimals, and then I thought, well, what would be really interesting is if there aren't any anymore, except for a couple, and that's Ace Duck and Mondo Gecko, are the only two mutanimals left. Wow. Because is dead. And um, Karai, there was something that really... Karai's going to be Shredder's daughter again. And she has left the foot. Hmm. And it was like, well, why would she leave the foot clan? And I, I came up with an idea that really, that even ties into the old comics, uh, the Return to New York storyline specifically, um, which I won't give away because you've got to have something to read, right? <laughs> oh, very cool, man. Very cool. You, you put a lot of time and thought into this. I did. I've, I've, Woken up early and just started doodling on something, and then it just kind of bringing that up. That's my fault. Nobody, nobody outside in the cold has ever talked to me about it. So I was like, "Oh my god, finally!" Yeah, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great, man. That, that's 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 the beauty of doing this. Uh, man, I, I can't wait to read more, man, because I'm totally sold. It's coming. I promise. Sweet. It's gonna be there. Well, all right, man. So uh, I guess we got a green screen to watch, huh? Oh yeah, I really hope we hit play at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rap, where are you going? Out to a movie. That okay with you? Yeah. Oh, hold on. I'm gonna play the theme song because this is. It, you, listeners have to hear this theme song because, like, they had the worst job of creating the Ninja Turtles theme song again. Again, right after after uh, gosh, the uh. 
uh, iconic first one. You know, you're never going to live up to that. Right, yeah. And you know what? I, I, They did fine. Come on. Turtle power. power! You just got to sing about two octaves higher than what we can do. I can't. <laughs> and was it the original voice actors of the Turtles doing the uh, singing the song? I don't know. Was it? It's. I swear to God, I hear the the voice actor for Leonardo in this. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm gonna play it right now. Let me know if you can hear it. I've got the volume as high as I can get it. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Ready in three, two, one. Oh, I can hear it. Here it comes. Turtle power! <laughs> What's great is they show like clips from the first movie in the in the theme song. Which is interesting is it's uh it came out in '96 this this cartoon so it's this is like six years after the first movie was out. Yeah, exactly. Shows you how good that first movie was. That's a good point. Some sweet my guitars kids, there. My kids are all standing in front of me dancing right now. <laughs> Ridiculous. Turtle power. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing I noticed from the uh, the Red Skies series mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. seasons, and I think they did that because of the popularity of Batman. The cartoon. I can see that. Yep. Yeah, because the Batman TV show had red skies and stuff in it. But uh, the turtles decidedly looked more angry. They looked very angry looking. Yeah, yeah, they, they do, they do. And definitely, like, the whole art style of the turtles definitely looks like something out of the Batman animated series. I mean, it's a lot... I know it's still mutant turtles, but it's, it looks more realistic. I mean, it looks certainly a lot darker than, you know, the previous seasons. They look a lot more like the Mirage comics. Yeah, I can see that. And you know, it also reminds me of the like the art style also reminds me of uh, X Men right around that time. Oh wow, you're right. I never put that together. Yeah, you, you know, like even X Men, I'm... there were a lot of dark atmospheres in X Men too. Yeah, Splinter Splinter is a father. You know, that's that's what, he's a father first. That's what comes natural to him. I think Splinter is such a great fighter and teacher because fighting and violence in my opinion doesn't come naturally to him i i think that he doesn't because because i or maybe it does and he doesn't let it because he doesn't want to become like shredder and a lot of interpretations of the splinter character especially in the idw comics like there was really just like a very small divide between what made the difference between Shredder and Splinter. And and speaking of, you know, I I know I know we've uh we've talked about the IDW comics a lot, but one other thing I want to add to that is one thing I loved okay, at the end of issue 50, literally I think it's right toward the end, it goes back, you, you get this flashback and it's um all in woods, right? Yeah, yes, with Yoshi and Saki, and they they're actually kind of joking around and playing around in the woods, you know, kind of talking about you know, that they're training and stuff. I mean, it goes to show you they were friends at one point. They weren't that different at one point in their lives. But later on, you see them take totally separate paths. It's almost like, you know, again, with X-Men, you know, the Professor X and Magneto kind of dynamic. 
Yeah, exactly. And I, and I love that. I don't know. There's something about that I really like, and it kind of made the ending of issue 50 even more impactful, I guess. I don't know. It, it was it was a pretty powerful issue. I, I loved how Shredder just finally let go of the hate that yeah. he had. And unfortunately, and he stepped up, too, because he's like, he, he, I kind of thought that he thought that he knew he was just going to become Shredder again eventually. Right. So you've got to end it. You've got to end me. You know, and they really made sure that you knew he was dead. It was I like, know. They, my gosh. They stabbed him and then chopped his head off. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> like how you said that after. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're listening this far in, you, you better know by now. You already know we so, have big mouths. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, it's just like, you, you know, he's gone. They killed him twice. Twice. He's deader than dead. Right, you know? right. Yeah, you, you're exactly right. That's one of the things is like, I wasn't used to seeing that before, so... And it's it's just powerful. It really is, and uh, I I really like the step that IDW has taken. Um, they, they've definitely kind of stepped out on a limb there, and uh, I think it's overall it's it's been phenomenal. Maybe even one of my favorite runs of the turtles ever. Yeah, that's definitely been a big inspiration to me because you can tell that even though it is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you can tell that it's in our world that we live in. You know, yeah. All right, guys, so uh, today's green screen, we're going to be watching the very last episode of the first series. I mean, this is it. This is a run that made it from 1987. I think it was in February of 1987. No, uh, December of 1987. Yeah. All the way to November 2nd, 1996. You know, almost a 10-year yeah. run there. And I can't believe this this particular episode that we're about to watch is already almost 20 years old. It's just time flies, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this this one's crazy, and this episode goes nuts too. This is like they they definitely knew that this was the end. Yeah, right. I mean, gosh, you you can definitely tell. I only saw a couple snippets already, but it, it's like, whoa, this is this is a war. This is some kind of chaos going on here. So it's gonna be interesting. Keep in mind the very last line of the uh, well, not the, like the second to last line or something like that, but it's <sighs> it's something Splinter says. Oh, I'll interesting. Man, well, I'm excited because I've never seen this one. I know I know all about the Red Sky kind of uh, seasons. I think that was the last two seasons of the series. Um, so this is season ten. This is episode eight, and this is episode 194. So this is the very last one in the uh, Fred Wolf run, and this episode is called Divide and Conquer. So this is a big one right here. And Josh and I we're gonna go ahead and watch it, and we'll provide a, a link in the show notes if you all want to follow along. Um, so we're going to go ahead and click play in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and play. All right. So this was written by Jeffrey Scott. All right. And we got a Raphael, we got a Raphael with, uh, with uh, no um, Rob Paulson there. And what is up with that alien? I don't know. It's just somebody just got done playing Doom. <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. Put that, yeah. Totally, yeah. Yeah. All right, so do you have any idea where the storyline is right now? The storyline is is uh, they're, they've, already, they've defeated Krang and Shredder, and now they're fighting Lord Dreg pretty much 24-7. And He's a hoser. in this episode in particular, they talk about how they have been fighting just 
wave after wave of just aliens. Just mm. a- weird aliens were coming up and fighting them, and then leaving after like five minutes. Yeah, kind of kind of scary looking so. too. I mean, look, look, yeah, at that, look at that crazy. one's got glowing red eyes, these weird tentacles coming out of its head. Yeah, it's like somebody just watched Predator yeah. <laughs> and just said, I'm going to do that. Well, at least he didn't self-destruct. And the last one's right. still one of my best well, Michelangelo, that's still Townsend Coleman. Still sounds like uh, yeah. Michelangelo. We're gonna catch the next one and find out. That's Cam Clark there. Still sounds the same. I think they kept the same voice actors, but it's just one of those audio slips that this show is notorious for. Right, right. Man, look at this. You know, all these aliens, it kind of reminds you of the, the, the cantina in... Uh, the cantina in Star, in Star Wars. Wars. Yeah. yeah. There's Drake. <laughs> Oh, love that alien. Oh, man. You gotta give him credit. The animation here looks pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's fluid, too. Yeah, it's aged well. I can't help but watch this and be like, the animators were like, we're gonna make this toy, and we're gonna make this toy, and this toy. <laughs> you know, that's immediately what I thought of. I was like, I wanna buy every single one of these. Mm hmm. Especially with the one that pops up next, you'll see it, and it's gonna be like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> I think this is the only time you ever see Michelangelo drive. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they never let him drive. No, oh, and you're about to find out why. <laughs> Got bed bugs. Oh. Now, I love how roomy that. Uh, oh, it's uh, female Goro. Yeah, exactly. Shiva. <laughs> Shiva, that's it. Man, look how much headroom they have in. That's like a nine foot tall alien. <laughs> look, they're raising their swords and everything. Plenty of plenty of room. Wow, our arm turned to a chain. Oh, now she's a rhino. This should turn into a rhino. Man, you know what? Michelangelo is a, is a really cool, under-pressure driver, though. <laughs> he is! I like how he says Kalabunga as he drives off a cliff. Goes off a cliff. I just said he's a good driver and goes off a cliff. I guess, you know, if, if he had any last words, that would be the most appropriate one to say. That'd be the only one, man. That's, right. what, that's how I want to go out. That's You know what? I want that on my tombstone. Kalabunga. Kalabunga. Yeah. I'm deciding between Kalabunga and I told you I was sick. The next alien That's good. I love the design of the turtles here because they redesigned them just a little bit, but like you can definitely see the um, bandana over the eyes, how there's spacing in the eyes there. Yeah, definitely. And it looks know, like an actual bandana. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, one thing that kind of like if you look at the designs of the turtles here, and this is 1996, they kind of look similar to the style of the turtles, at least the bandanas do, for the uh, 2003 series. You know, yeah, they, they kind of go out to the side like that, and they, you know, had the real narrow slits for the eyes. Yeah. Uh, the only difference is, you know, the turtles in that series didn't have pupils. Right. Yeah, they definitely had the action figure eyes, which... I love how the new series plays with that when, like, they're in ninja mode, and they got the white eyes. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Wow, April's got a new look, too. I love April's look here because it finally let me know that she does laundry. <laughs> yep. I was worried about April. It's like, She's you know, got, like, you the, don't... Uh, the Indiana Jones going here. Yeah, well, she is... 
she's got some gumption, you know? She's yeah. got moxie. Yeah. She's a go-getter. <laughs> she is, I can tell. I like it. But if you look at the facial structures of the turtles here, like, they're definitely the Mirage-style uh, Kevin Eastman uh, style of drawing them. Right. A lot more shading, too, I've noticed. Yeah, like on mm -hmm. the faces. Yeah, you called it when you said X-Men. I'm thinking, wow, this is such the X-Men art style here. Yeah, yeah, always dark, kind of, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You know what? Uh, outside of the red skies, I know it's a joke, but, I mean, you don't need to use those, but... Yeah, I, I kind of prefer this art style, how it's just a little more serious. I mean, they look just like a little bit older than they did from the first season. Yeah, a little, little beefier, too. Little, they've been doing some weights. Yeah, you know. They've been hitting the gym. Now they're going to meditate with Splinter. I've never been able to meditate. I've tried it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I, start thinking about stuff. I believe I, I couldn't sit still long enough. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I could be reading this many comics now. I've really got to go to the bathroom. Never mind that. Give me a container. So where did Drake come from? Did he literally just show up one day from outer space, or was he was he space? <laughs> he came from space. Yeah, I don't. They all. I don't know. Or is he from Dimension X? No, no. He he was a space bearing guy, a conqueror of some sort, but I got you. this it was after probably season four or five of the Turtles, I kinda stopped watching it because like, you know, the X Men cartoons and stuff came out. So I was watching just other stuff. Right. And I actually got back into the Turtles again. Wow, this I thought this was a completely different show. Really? And, um, yeah, I thought it was a different. I thought it was a new turtle show, and then Shredder showed up, voiced by Paul Avery again, and Krang showed up in in this season, and or maybe it was season nine. Uh, they show him in the theme song, but then I realized that it was like, oh, it's the same series. This, this is great. I, I like that there were new villains. That's really cool. So you so you went away for a, for a couple years, but then you did get to catch like the last season or two. Yeah, I did. I caught wow. the last season, the last two seasons, and I then I caught the next mutation. And I almost made you watch the first episode of the next mutation. But... Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. Josh and I we oh, did I a green to. screen on it. Oh, it's. Oh, uh, I haven't heard that. Oh, it's it's. I don't like it. <laughs> I got it. I got. It. I'm gonna go download it tonight and watch it <laughs> and listen to it. Oh, it's it's not as bad as we wish you a turtle Christmas. It's not as bad as that, but I don't like it. I'm not. No, I've on never it. seen that. Oh my goodness, my friend. Well, you gotta watch now. You gotta watch it around Christmas time because it'll put you in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> wish you a turtle Christmas. Oh, you gotta watch it. It's bad. I've seen the uh, coming out of the shelves tour. I had that on VHS when I was a kid, oh, and I had okay. the tape. Yeah, and you can buy that whole tape on iTunes now. Can you? <laughs> yeah, and it's. So tempting to go buy it because it's just it's weird. <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of weird, man, watch. We wish you Turtle Christmas. I I dare say it's okay. the worst, the worst thing that Ninja Turtles ever did. I mean, well, I understand why they did it. I mean, it's a kids musical based on Christmas songs, and they use a lot of the, um, uh, oh gosh, the costumes that were from you know the tour that they did. But yeah. it's just, oh, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> Well, like, you know what? You gotta, you gotta give them credit for. You never know what's gonna work unless you try. You Absolutely, know? I give. Yeah, yeah. And there aren't many. There aren't like really. Guy, if you think about it. Oh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, it's like like this guy. He didn't know if his absorbing arms were gonna work. He had to try. <laughs> he had to know? try. 
And look, it looks yeah. like they worked out for him. Yeah. You fellas should be practicing. This flying claw move I'm sorry, did I interrupt you? What were you going to say now? Uh, no, no, you didn't interrupt me. No, not a lot of times. Oh, okay. I interrupt you. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, no, I talk too much. Uh, let's see. Um, what was I going to... What was I trying to say? I don't remember. Must not have been important. <laughs> it's gone. Man, look at those skies. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, there is enough smog in New York. That's probably what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I just—I guess I just missed the episode where they moved to Los Angeles because that's pretty that's much it. what yeah. the skies in LA look like. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever, whatever it was. It could be China. China, the smog is so bad there they actually broadcast the sunrise on TV. Wow, really? Yeah, it's so thick there that they have to broadcast the sunrise and sunset on TV. Jeez. You know, you're bogus alien buds. There's no one here except me. Oh, I would never trust him. Nope. He's almost got the Mega Man arms. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. You know what I never noticed is like, yeah, they fight things like this all the time. Why aren't they calling their friends in for help? Good point. Yeah. Uh, why aren't they calling like the, the punk frogs or Casey Jones? You know, Casey Jones or that one robot cop that uh, Rex Ten, I think his name was. Oh my gosh, I forgot all about that one. Yeah, Mona Lisa, uh, <laughs> Otis Blossom, any of these. Metalhead. Yeah, yeah, any of them. You know, you you would think. You know, they they, they might know him a few favors. You know. Yeah, no kidding. Hey man, we got a toy made out of you. You come help us fight this thing. <laughs> we made yeah. you. <laughs> we can unmake you. Alright, so Drake's got this strange chain contraption. He's bringing down this uh, this crane to hit the turtles. Or some kind of built structure there. <laughs> yeah, building, yeah. Yeah. Drago was really patient because he actually let the turtles tie that tie his arm around a building basically. It's like this is a guy that's really confident, you know. I mean, their villains are not lacking in confidence. I like that. Man, I like what Drago do though. Oh, turned into a termite. Oh my god! Came in like a wrecking ball. I'm sorry. That was bad. Oh God! Don't you start dancing now, man. Oh Let's man, so good, good thing I'm not on uh, camera. Eh? Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm gonna turn off my sky camera just in case. <laughs> oh man, so now what can you do? Is he, can you see through the walls? Yeah. Wow. He's got it all. We've got to get out of here. So Charles are heading back to the sewer. All he needs, really, is the love of somebody else. He, this guy's just lonely. Yeah, all you need is love. Yeah. Just introduce him to somebody. Have some coffee. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I mean, that's all he came to Earth for. And the, tur the turtles just assumed he was evil. Yeah. Yeah, what if Shredder was never a bad guy? What if they just... What if the turtles were just massively misinformed? Right. <laughs> just, yeah. You know, and that all all the uh, all the armor that he had was really designed to you know make coleslaw. 
Exactly, yeah. He just wanted to give can openers to the world. <laughs> yep. I always love Splinter's voice here. Me too. I was going to say, that's still Pete Renaday. You can definitely hear his voice there. I have to check the net. <laughs> the, the World Wide Web. AOL 5.0. Yeah, we didn't know what the internet could do yet, so at this point in time, it could do whatever we said it could do. Right. Yeah, but dudes, Krang's android body was in the Technodrome, and we destroyed the Technodrome. Oh, I heard, I heard about this one. This one here, like, it shows the, the Technodrome destroyed in Dimension X. And uh, they go to Dimension X, too. Yeah, uh, and, the, and they said that this is one of the first, or the only time uh, that I think the Technodrome's actually shown without Shredder or Krang actually in an episode. Yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah, I, think, I think this is the only one where they do it, yeah. Wow. I like that, though, that, you know, that they made sure that if this was going to be the last episode, that they paid tribute to the original villains in some form or fashion, even though it's kind of indirect. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is kind of lackluster that Shredder doesn't show up, but... Yeah. That's creepy. Man, she's taken that surprisingly well. She, she really is. She's being kidnapped. All right, yeah. Ah, she's used to it by now. It's like, all right, let's get this over with. <laughs> they totally play on that in Turtles Forever. Oh, yeah? Man, just, yeah, because she's, Michelangelo even says, we, we save her at least once a day. Oh, that's you know, right, yeah. <laughs> this is like a, think of it, this is a daily occurrence for April. That's true. It's like, what does her mom think? <laughs> Yeah. My well, baby won't leave the city, but but it's so dangerous there. <laughs> she was like the one mom that got it right. Right, you're right. You're exactly right. And, and the thing is, she's going to get so cocky one day that she's like, oh, the turtles will save me. And there's going to be one day the turtles just yeah. they mess up, they goof up. They slept in. <laughs> like they, they had too much pizza the night before. They, they took a day off. past nine and it was done. Right. Yeah. Wow, there's the Technodrome. Yep. Man, look! Oh man, I love how like rotten and dilapidated it looks now. Oh, it's got spiderwebs and, and everything. The, the technodrome is not safe from squatters. <laughs> no, it is not. No, it's not. You'll you'll see in a minute. Uh uh oh. Yeah, there you go. Uh huh. Love those red eyes. These turtles do not respect doors. They have never opened a door this whole series. They That's just true. run right through them. Yeah, they just, yeah. They don't Kick it right open. Anything. Right. And after I've gotten rid of you, I'll take care of your other two reptile friends. So is Dreg's uh, whole, I guess, uh, well, that was weird. He kind of lifted them up without actually, oh, never mind. There's the other set of arms. Never mind. So, so was, is, is Drake's motivation he just wants to take over the world, or is he just want to destroy the turtles? It starts out, it's actually really interesting. He's got an arc. He he wants to take over Earth, and then the turtles just keep stopping him to the point to where now all he wants to do is take out the turtles. Ah, okay, I got you. And just, like, taking over the Earth is just kind of like a byproduct of taking out the turtles. Right, right. Man, what doesn't Drake have? He's got saws. He can see through walls with his eyes. You're right.
And here we go, coming down, winding down now. Man. It's great. This 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 gets so cool. Wow, <laughs> look at that. Motorcycle. The motorcycle. You even got the old Technodrome music there. Isn't that something? Yeah. Man, I love that. Oh, there's the old Krang body. Ooh, what is that? I got its venom. <laughs> Who are those guys? War toys. Nice. Yeah, more toys, <laughs> yeah. More toys. Oh man, sadly I'd buy them. Man, they're fighting the go they're fighting the remnants of the GoBots right now. <laughs> tell me those aren't the GoBots. Those are the GoBots. Yep. <laughs> man, I noticed that their uh their belt buckles, they're a little bit more predominant now. Like they're they're bigger, they're easier to see. Yeah. They uh they've definitely gotten a wardrobe upgrade. And considering like just a belt is their wardrobe, but Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean even the articulation of their shell, because like now they've got like these white lines, white and gray lines on them, really just kind of emphasizing the shell there. I think it's cool. Yeah, definitely. Love me the original turtle van. And that's the thing I love about the new Playmates turtle van, uh, the Nickelodeon one. It looks very yeah. similar. I, I love the, yeah. the new design. I still have that old van. Oh, do you? Yeah, I still have it. It's upstairs. Ah, uh, I never had it when I was a kid. Always wanted it. Yeah. You're not boxed in. You're in a junkyard. Do you know how big <laughs> junkyards are? You're not boxed in. No, Look at all no, that you room. got plenty of space. All of this room. And you had to park near the crane. Or the magnet, or whatever that Just is. Open a door. Just open the door. <laughs> you can get out. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So that's a uh, different looking crane there. Yeah. But now, so we've got like an evil crane body and we've got a regular crane body. Yeah, and that's the last time you see them. Wow. And literally, because this is the last episode, that's the last time you see them. <laughs> sure enough, wow, that's that's crazy. Man, how long was that cord on that magnet? It's still lowering, <laughs> still lowering. the pressure there. Wow, he broke a sword. Yeah, his sword sucks. Like, they just cannot... <laughs> They can't do anything. Like Krang's dancing with Drag there. Man. This is like pre-UFC though. Right. I mean, this is all we had. <laughs> no. Yeah, it was take it or leave it. I can just see like Ronda Rousey or somebody just taking notes furiously trying to say I've got to shake him around a little bit. Like, <laughs> you know, George St. Pierre being like I have to be like the Ninja Turtles. Right. I can't believe it's the last episode, you know, because it, I don't know, it just feels like a, like an episode of right in the middle of a series, you know? It doesn't feel yeah, like this a, is like middle of season five or something. Right, it doesn't feel like a final showdown, you know? Like the end-all be-all. Well, when, and sorry to say this, but when your villain's kind of lame, you sure, know, sure. just, if this were a fight with the Shredder, I mean, imagine like a giant Shredder fighting the turtles inside yeah. Crane's body. That would be right. amazing. Oh, that'd be something. Yeah. <laughs> and that actually, that, that kind of does happen with Turtles Forever. So. 
Oh, Turtles Forever was such a great, great way to end. The, the only thing, oh, such such a great way. Especially the last few lines where you got Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman talking to each other. Oh, this is perfect. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, backflip. <laughs> His one weakness, grabbing him. <laughs> and then throw him in Dimension X and be done. And then the body blows up. Really? Yeah, because the, Donatello had said that because he grew so tall, he was going to explode once he shrinks down. Oh, man. Okay, here here we go. Here we go. Okay, I'm going to cut this out. I am proud to be your equal. Uh, you mean proud to be our sensei, don't you? Sensei means leader or guide. But you no longer need a guide. Like the lion, you have no superior in the jungle of life. You know, we really can handle anyone or anything. What's that? Whoops. Yep, we can handle anything, all right, except Donatello's cooking. Oh, no pizza? No pizza. Wow, and that's it. That's how it ends. That's it. Yeah, but but that was just like that. I think they knew that this was the last one because Splinter just kind of passed the torch. It's like I'm, I, I've taught you everything. I've done my part. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. That, that's pretty. That's pretty powerful. Because that you know that also reminds me of um, the if you ever uh, beat the original NES game, Splinter kind of does the same oh, yeah. thing. He's transferred back into a human. He's like, you know what, my work here is done. You know, you turtles don't need yeah. me anymore. I'm out of here. So I'm back to Japan. See you later. Yeah, <laughs> I got other things to do. And he's just like, peace. But yeah, yeah exactly. That, that's crazy. Like. I don't know what to make of that. Like, I, I, there are some things I like about it. I like that Drag could do all these different things. But, uh, man, if they... I wonder if they didn't know for sure until, like, halfway through the season that this was going to be this was going to be it, you know, that this this one particular episode was going to be the last one. And maybe they didn't have enough time to really fully tie in everything together. I You know, because it just doesn't feel... Although there's a couple lines that indicate that it was the end of the series... It didn't feel like the end-all, be-all of a nine-year run, a huge part of the 80s and early 90s. I mean, yeah. the Turtles was yeah. an era, you know? And uh, I just, wow, it just seems like a strange way to end, you know? Yeah, you know, I think that, I, I mean, I think because they did deal with Krang and Shredder, and I think that what they were probably working on was, okay, we're going to do another nine years of this, and we're going to start fresh with a new villain. And then they're like, yeah, we're not we're not giving you any more money. You need to stop. And they're like, okay, well, we had an idea for the last episode anyway, so we'll just we'll have the Krang android body hug Lord Dreg, and then it blows up, and the turtles are, yay, they're good, they're good. Yeah, that was plan B right there. Yeah. Wow. Always go with plan B. Absolutely. Plan B is so much more fun. Yeah, B stands for the best. So there yeah, you go. exactly. What does A stand for? Yeah. Uh, I got nothing. Average. Oh, average good. Well done. In a, you know? Yeah. I kind of froze for a second. I had no idea what A stand for. So. <laughs> oh, well, sweet. Well, So now that we've both seen uh, this, this, last, uh, this last episode... Uh, how many slices of pizza would you give this man? You know, from a one to ten uh, rating there. Oh, good lord! Um, let's see. In terms of just this cartoon, this is this is probably like an eight. You know, mm -hmm. this is probably an eight out of ten for me, just because that that last 
apart with Splinter and the Turtles. Just it just when I first saw it, it honestly just it it tugged at my heart, man. It really did because that was that I think every every guy hears that from their father at one point in time. If if as long as you have a good father, right. <laughs> there's that. But you hear your dad say to you, like I've I've taught you everything I know, so now it's your turn. That that really gets me. And then you know an alien that turns into a giant bowling ball. But whatever. <laughs> so no, I, I'm with you. I mean, had that line or had that scene not been in not the not the bowling ball mm-hmm. scene, but uh, the the splinter scene, had that <laughs> not been in the uh, episode, I probably would rate this lower. But I, I I'm gonna go with uh, an eight as well. I just think uh, that's that's a powerful line, and I think you know even though it could have been tied together a little bit better, uh, and I I would have loved to seen a little bit more of a nod to some of the things in the past and just, you know, a little bit more of a thank you to the fans. I do love what Splinter says. That I think that's the probably the highlight of the show or highlight of the episode. Um so sad sad to see it go. It, it makes me sad all over again. It's like, man, this what this was the last one. The thing that really makes me honestly sad about all this is do you have any of the DVDs of the uh, old cartoon? I actually do, yes. I've got the uh, Turtle Van with all the DVD collections and I've oh, got okay. the original volume. Yeah, I've got I've got all of those too. If you watch any of every every other disc they'll have like making of featurettes or interviews with the animators. If you watch those special features from the first season to the first few seasons, everyone's really happy and really uh, pouring their creativity into the show, and they're really proud of it. When you get to like season eight, nine, or ten, the animate it's a new set of animators and creators and everything, and they're kind of they're kind of just wait they're doing this job until they get the one that they really want. I got you. And they're just kind of, they're like, oh, God, turtles. I'm so tired of turtles. And they they just, and and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I am. I don't know. But that's what I read from their uh, interviews and stuff. Because, like, there was one guy, one animator, if I remember correctly, there was one animator that said it didn't really matter what we came up with. They were going to make a toy out of it and be happy with it anyway. And I was like, man, that really, that's a really, whatever you think about the turtles, themselves take the turtles out of the equation that's a really that's a bad thing to say about somebody you used to work for i mean that used to be your job and i don't i mean there are days where i don't like my job but that doesn't mean i don't to the best of my ability good point you know? yeah i feel the same like, way dude, come on be an adult you know right you know and, and you know this is years after the fact i'm sure you know that he'd had this interview or that this animator had the interview you would yeah. think, you know they'd have something a little bit more positive to say yeah no kidding it, i mean or maybe he got fired and he was just bad or something <laughs> i don't know. with an attitude like that i can understand right well sure sure well the well the thing is like i have seen some of the red sky episodes and i remember mm-hmm. you know seeing lord drag for the first time and i just remember ever since that new uh theme song which is all right. It's it's okay. Yeah. It's no original. It's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's perfectly serviceable. Sure, sure. I don't hate it, um, but it's just it just seems like sometimes with certain series, you don't know why, you don't know how to explain it, but you know it needs to, it needs to end. You know, yeah. like you can yeah. feel it. It's just like something's missing. Like The Office for me. I was a big Office fan when Michael Scott oh, left. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's, it just needed to end. You know, it just was not the same. They they tried to, you know, 
keep the ball rolling and stuff. It's just not the same without him. You, you definitely see it in certain series um, where it's just the same formula over and over again, and they're not really trying to vary things up too much anymore. Or it's just yeah, exactly. new set of villains just aren't doing the same thing that the uh, the old villains could do. I could kind of feel it coming, especially the, the with the Red Sky episodes. Seeing those years after the fact, I was like, wow, I can understand why the, you know they got canceled because something's missing here. I don't, I can't put my finger on it, but something's different about these episodes. Not that they're horrible; they're yeah. just different. Yeah, it was amazing though that it took ten seasons, yeah, for it to be canceled. I mean, like. You hear about TV shows like, I mean, even the 2003 series, that still went on for six years and then got a TV movie. Yeah. And then it was done. And also that uh, Turtle, the Turtles Forever, that was basically done. They, the animators and everybody basically worked on that movie for free. Yeah, because right, Because right. they, they didn't have any funding for it. And they were just like, well, we love the Turtles. We love what we made. Let's end it correctly. Let's just do this whole thing just gratis, make the best thing we can. But even when they kind of, I want to say like midway through that series and like season four, or maybe it was five, where they went into the future. And I, I mean, personally, I like those because it was, you put turtles in a different time period and I just, I get memories of the, of the Super Nintendo game. Right. <laughs> and that's just, that's just how I feel about it. But you could kind of tell it was like, okay, we don't know what we're doing, and then went, and then as soon as they got a good idea, they sent the turtles back to present day, and then it got returned to New York or whatever it was. So right, yeah, yeah, you could tell then it was like, okay, they're kind of winding down. Yeah, it's kind of, it's time. It's you know? time. Yeah, sometimes you know, as a as a definitely as a viewer, and I'm sure you know, as a writer, sometimes you just know, okay, something, the magic's gone. And, yeah. and we we got to find a way to just end it in a respectful, I don't know, powerful way. And I think the 2003 series did that that very very well because I, I do remember the uh, the future episodes, and I do remember I think the season before it ended, kind of feeling the same way. I'm like, oh, this is different. This is not. I don't know. You know. So I think they ended it in a very good way, and I think this one tried to end it in a, in a good way. You know, with the time it had. So yeah. And I I was listening to your um, episode with uh oh it was when you interviewed Michael Rosenbaum Richard Rose I'm sorry yes uh, Richard Rosenbaum uh, he wrote uh, Ray Some Shell he wrote that book and you guys were talking about the Red Sky series and he made a great point about how it was just that everybody got older yeah we we were we were all just moving on. You know, and even the creators themselves, they all, I mean, even Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, they were moving on to something else. And I mean, they had moved on to something else for how long, you know? You're exactly right. And you know, the beauty of it is people come back to it. And you know, it wasn't even something I consciously did. I guess I thought the turtles were were <laughs> already gone or something because I I just the, the red skies totally passed me by. I don't even remember those. I didn't even remember the next mutation. It's right around, I guess I must have stopped watching. I'm guessing around '94, so that's right before the Red Skies series took place. I got into the Power Rangers and that kind of took all my attention. And then I did other TV series, X Men, and so many others. But right around the late '90s and early 2000s. That's something drew, drew me back, you know. It's just that that love that always kind of that brings me back. And and again, I think it's the resurgence. And you made a great point in your last show, um, or the bargain bin show, uh, that mm -hmm. 
it's it's even more popular now than it's ever been before. It really is. I mean, especially what I'm really excited about is, uh, in my case in particular, my kids, what got them into the Ninja Turtles, um, watching it on the, the Nickelodeon series, mm-hmm. was I watched the um, the 87 series. That It was that first season. I just I found that season on sale at Target. I bought it and I thought this is great, you know. I wanted my kids to watch it with me and if they didn't want to that would have been fine, but I sat them down and I put it on and they were just glued to the television. We watched that whole first season in one sitting. And I mean granted that was just six episodes, but that was still I had five kids sitting down for three hours straight without a without a bathroom break, without a snack <laughs> break, nothing. And that's a testament to the quality of that original cartoon. Yeah, exactly. And like that first season is my favorite animated Ninja Turtles anything. Even the episode with the neutrinos, because the neutrinos were all about they're persecuted for being teenagers. You know, you know how bad that is? I mean, like you're you're going to jail because you're growing up. And it's like, well, how if being a teenager is illegal how do you expect us to be legal adults? How do you expect any of that? You know? Yeah, but... And my kids, they picked up on it. And then so I started buying all of the DVDs for me and for them that I could. And they really got into the 2003 series. They love the next mutation. They really do. Like, the, the not even in an ironic way. They just like watching it. Oh, really? And... Yeah, they, they actually do, yeah. They... they they, because it looks like the movies to them, you know. The, the younger the younger kids they they think that it looks like the movies. They thought that it was, and it kind of was. They thought that it was the fourth movie. They thought didn't Shredder die? Because Shredder's in the first episode. Like I thought Shredder died, and then I said, yeah, it's a different Shredder. It's like, oh, okay, no problem. <laughs> Where's Casey Jones? It's like, well, him and April got married and moved. Oh, okay, oh, okay April's I got you. never in it. Yeah, <laughs> he's, and, he's in the dream world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, they they ate it up with a spoon, and now the Nickelodeon series—that's all they want to watch—is the Nickelodeon series, and which is great. I I really love it. I I think it's so much fun that they have that, you know. And especially because I I had that when I was their age. It's just so cool to be able to bond over that. Exactly, and uh, and it's not even just you know nostalgia at this point. Ninja Turtles are just you know alive and. And well, and uh, probably thriving more now than they have ever been before. And I think that's that's really cool to kind of share that uh, from two different perspectives. You know, the original fans and, yeah. of course, new fans now. So it's a uh, it's a fun it's a fun time. Like I always say, it's a fun time to be a Turtles fan. Yeah, even if my show was better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just gonna, just gonna put that out there. My ah, show I'm was with better. you, man. I'm with you. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I think that I think the uh, quality of the toy is better now, but the show was better back then. So it might it might be um you know bias. I don't care. It's just that's my answer. <laughs> One thing that me and my kids do agree on is why can't we get a good Ninja Turtles game? We haven't had one in so it's long. It's been a while. Yeah, you know, yes, yes, sir. There has not there has not been a good definitive Ninja Turtles game. Since Turtles in Time. Turtles in Time. That was what, ninety two, ninety three. That's a long time. That's uh, yeah. what uh, yeah, twenty two exactly. years. Twenty two years. Yeah. 
I don't even want to think about how much time that is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm still 10 years older than that. You I, know? I, I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, I'm almost there. I need to respect my elders. <laughs> yeah, you don't get points for trying, Rob. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, man. Well, listen, um, to close out this awesome episode, man, I, first of all, Josh. Oh, so much fun. Had a blast, man. This is great. We are at two, almost two and a half hours now. So to wind things down, man, where, where can you know our listeners find all your work? Well, you can find um, me and Nicole on bargainbinradio.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook on our Bargain Bin Radio page. Uh, it's called Bargain Bin Radio Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at, at Bargain Bin Radio. Yeah, you can subscribe to our podcast uh, on iTunes for free. It's free, and it always will be. So, yeah, that's really about it. You can write on our wall on our Facebook page. Give us some suggestions for episodes if you want. Uh, what would you like us to talk about? What What are your gripes, concerns, complaints? Have I said anything that makes me sound like a blithering idiot? Let me know <laughs> so I can improve. And also... Um, a gu- our new podcast, A Guy, A Girl, and a Time Machine, which is on mm. the Retro Junkies Network. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, oh, I appreciate it. Our next episode is coming soon, probably going to be next weekend. We're going to do a review of the first Resident Evil movie. Oh, so, that'll be good. Yeah, I love the Resident Evil movies. They're, yeah. they're great. I don't I don't care if they have nothing to do with the games. They're, they're really cool. I feel the same way. Yeah, I, I can't wait to listen to that. That'll, that ought to be a good one. Yeah, it'll probably come out sometime next week because we're going to do another Bargain Bin episode as well. But, yeah, it's actually getting a lot easier for me to, you know, talk friendly, uh, family friendly. You know, <laughs> so, Dude, you I, nailed today, man. I always worry about Bargain Bin Radio, about how when you guys and Landon and Josh and everyone else on the Retro Junkies, if they listen to Bargain Bin Radio... I'm afraid of them calling you being like, you got to get this guy off our network, Oh, you, man. no what you way. Well, I mean, come on. First of oh, all, man. first of all, that does not <laughs> that does not offend me in one iota. It's just, it's okay. just uh, honestly. And and second of all, I mean, come on, man. We, we all have we all have our things we do. We all have our ticks, man. <laughs> trust me, yeah, and, trust me. And mine is mine is talking like a a drunk sailor. You know, <laughs> sober. You know. That's my thing. That's what makes me unique. A unique little butterfly. That's exactly. So. And uh, we need to let the butterfly fly. <laughs> you got to let me fly, man. You got to let, gotta let me fly. Yeah. Because nobody suspects the butterfly. No, so. no. Nobody suspects the butterfly. Isn't that a Simpsons line? <laughs> that's a Simpsons line, yeah. So. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, Josh, listen, man. You get to close it out. So what kind of pizza are we going to have to close today's episode? Oh, man, you know what? I, I was wondering if you were going to ask me this, so I spent all day thinking about it. <laughs> but I, I'll i have you know, I am a man of simple taste. So all I need is some sausage and pepperoni, maybe some extra cheese, and just that's it. That's all, man. That's all I need. I like that. Classy. And actually, you know what? If I could have a second one, Pizza Hut makes a great meatball pizza. Meatball We never had a meatball pizza on the show. It's Good man, Ooh. it is. It, they have it's got meatball and spinach on it, and it is good. And ask for it with the uh, pretzel crust. That's it's really the best. Yes, it is really good. Wow, jeez. Especially since your wife is about to have a baby, she's going to be craving just weird salty food. Get her one of those. So it's a uh, it's pizza. It's pizza spinach. Uh, it's a uh, sorry. Pizza. So it's okay. It's a pizza with spinach, meatballs, and it's got to be on the pretzel crust. 
Yeah, it's great, man. You'll love it. Alright, listeners, well, here's to hope you enjoy your Pizza Hut, meatball, spinach, and pretzel crust pizza. Calabunga. Oh, yeah. Calabunga, man. Well, yeah, well, so that's, that's awesome. You know, I, I love that story with uh, you and Nicole seeing that, uh, that toy. I mean, for me. Um, oh, quickly, I'm sorry. My apologies to anyone who may be listening from Canada. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez, I, I should apologize every episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> throwing, around, throwing around their words. Like yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's the thing. I don't know where Landon and I started that whole that whole thing, but now it's just like a thing we do all the time. We call each other hoses, and when we get angry, a- aggravated, which they take off. You know, it's better than... I, better than I had no idea you were born in America when I first started. <laughs> so, honestly, I never did. When my wife was uh, overhearing the podcast from another room, she thought I was watching this movie called Strange Brew. Oh, have you ever seen that? Yeah, a little bit of it. I haven't finished it. Oh, I see. I love, I love Strange Brew. Well, see, I'm a big. That's the thing. Land and I are big Bob and Doug fans, you know, and the Great White North and everything. That was, uh, I was done by Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis in the early, I don't know, early '80s or something like that. It was a record that they did. So stupid. Is that that old? That that long? Not that old, but that long ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it came out um, in the early '80s. The record did. And it got so popular that they decided to do a movie, Strange Brew, uh, a year later in, in uh, I guess the mid '80s by then. And I love that movie. Now my wife, on the other hand, hates that movie. She's like, "How can you watch this? This is garbage." Like, how could you say that? I, you know, sometimes uh, I, I wonder how why she even married to me. Yeah, well, that's probably what it is. I mean, yeah, there must be yeah. balance to the force. Yeah. Oh, oh sorry, that's a Star Wars reference. Oh, who cares? Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars is fine. It's okay. I know. I, I got you. Oh, leave me alone. I leave Star Wars alone. All right, right. You just kind of, you know, you go your way. Star Wars goes its way. Um. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, I'm getting old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Another feeling. Oh, yeah. I really hope we get to play at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of times that happens with me and Josh. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, I'll hit play a little bit early or something like that, and uh, uh, he'll, he'll be laughing at something. I'm like, what's so funny? And then I get it a second later, like, oh, there it is. <laughs> Advertising. Right, so let me send you the link. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, of course, man. You should leave all of this in the podcast and call it like Josh and Rob try to use the internet. <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. That's, we'll put that in the blooper reel. <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was going to send a small Chicago Blackhawks uh, hockey jersey. Oh, Blackhawks, eh? But your, but Nicole told me no. Rob will never talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that, that would put a wedge in our uh, friendship there. It <laughs> You know, Grayson needs to know who to root for. Well, right. That's why I'm going to teach him, uh, you know, orange and black, man. Why don't you just send your kids to school in Canada, then? I mean, uh, just, <laughs> I'll tell them to take off, eh? Yeah, right. Yeah. Wolverine really ruined that show for me. Oh, really? Yeah, because, like, when I was a kid watching the X-Men cartoon, I thought, wait a minute. Wolverine's whole motivation to be an X-Man is to get with somebody else's wife. Jean Grey. <laughs> really? And this is the action figure that, I, that I'm playing with right now? It's like, this is this is a horrible cartoon <laughs> for Steve to watch. 
This is dumb. That's true, you know. You know, and even in the movies. Even the movies. You yeah, know? And I've never liked Wolverine. I've never thought he was a, a character to ever take seriously. Because, I mean, why doesn't Magneto just like, shoot him up in the orbit and then just be done with it? <laughs> See, see, I'm a Wolverine guy. I, I really am. But again, I get it. It makes it makes total sense. I think for me, the reason I like him is just because he's he's like the tough good guy. I, I don't know. I, I like that about him. That's why. <laughs> That's it. He's he's one of, he's a fellow hoser, eh? Hey, Bob. Better get better get on that get that Islander jersey on, you know? <laughs> or take off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I've, I've never, I've never liked him. And Cyclops was always my guy because. Oh, was, see, I never liked Cyclops. I, and I get it because he's such a straight-laced character, but he is the most important X-Man. That was so boring to me. I get it. I get it. But uh. Not boring. He's he is responsible for the lives of dozens of children and other mutants. I get it, but come on, give me something. Give me something besides that. I need more than that. Okay, uh, Nightcrawler, one of my favorite X-Men. I like Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler, especially because, like, he was the guy to, like, yeah, he was the straight-laced kind of, I go to church on Sundays, but that's because Saturday night, me and Wolverine tied one off, and really, <laughs> we drank way too You know, we, we did. And he's a part of the year, and I love him for that. And Colossus, one of my favorite X-Men. Um, just I like because, Yeah, just because he was just... I, I, I really love the characters that are like the most human because you never really meet anybody like Wolverine. No, yeah, you're right. You never, and the reason you don't is because they're all in jail. <laughs> you know? Because you don't fight in real life. I'm sorry, you don't. You just don't. Guys think we can get away with it. We can't get away with it. And, um, but I always like the guys that like, were like Captain America is one of my favorite superheroes because he's, I, I'm a real big military guy um obviously but uh i i always loved the guys where fighting was the last option yeah me too it's like like believe it or not batman is like arguably one of the greatest martial artists in the DC universe but fighting fighting anybody except for the joker is always the last thing he wants to do. well same same thing with uh splinter you know here, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know why I keep talking about other comic characters. I'm sorry, man. No, the, no, but that's yeah, great. No, the, <laughs> that wasn't my attempt to bring it back, man. I, I swear, it's just. But you know, that's the reason I love Splinter so much. You know, because he's the same way. That was his last option. I like Mr. Miyagi. There you go. I know, right? <laughs> when, I'm, I'm almost as old as Homer Simpson. Yeah, yeah. In in the Simpsons continuity, Homer is 38 years old. I'm 32. Oh man, yeah, Come I'm on. Uh, I'm fixing to be 30. So yeah, it's crazy. Oh, you don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm still barely holding on to my 20s. And yeah, first thing you let go of your 20s, then you let go of the hair, and then you you know. Just... <laughs> All right, well, listeners got to hear this. Man, this has been great. This is this has been a, wow. We've talked about a lot. This has been awesome. Yeah, this has been a lot. Of, you said it was only going to take an hour. Like, no, <laughs> I should have known. I my long-winded self.